If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn them to Luke chapter 2, though. Classic Christmas story. And uh, there we go. Classic Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And uh, I, I just want you to uh, follow along with me in your in your Bibles or if you have your phones or whatever you're using. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. The entire Roman world, or it was the known world at that time. This was the first census that took place while, help me Sarah, Quirinius, Quirinius, sometimes I get that wrong, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line, or if you're reading the older English version, the lineage of David. Of course, uh, us Americans, uh, us United States folks, uh, we're, we're aware that Thanksgiving was just a couple weeks ago, aren't we? Most of you are. Most of you are still working to get those calories off. Uh, we may still have a few left. No, Sarah cleaned the refrigerator yesterday. So all the leftovers are gone. There is some banana pudding from last week, uh, dinner here left in the refrigerator, if any of you all would like. I, I didn't handle it all this week while I was here at the office, so there is one serving left if you want some banana pudding. But we're aware Thanksgiving was just a couple weeks ago. It, it, it was a jubilant time, I hope it was for you, uh, uh, of us coming together and celebrating our blessings. At least that's what it's supposed to be, right? And we had, uh, some of you had turkey, some of you had ham, some of you may have had uh, uh, a Wendy's cheeseburger. But whatever it was, hopefully you gave thanks for that. And maybe you got to spend some time with your family. Uh you got to eat that food, celebrate with family, and maybe even watch a football game if you're a football fan. Uh, it's during that time that we often, especially when we're youngsters and our, our, our children that are in school, it's time that they think about our history as Americans. And we think about the the founding of the Americas has North and South America as we know it. And we think about the indigenous people and, and that wore feathers in their, in their headbands and we call them Indians. Indians. Indigenous people. We think about that they were here before we were. And we also have to think about the people that came from across the great pond that arrived here in quote-unquote America. And those people we typically know as, and we think of especially during the Thanksgiving season, as pilgrims. And we think of them with their little muskets and their little hats. Remember those little hats we used to make in school? And, and all of those things. And we think about those people as pilgrims. Uh, mm, pilgrims. Pilgrims. And what, what exactly is a pilgrim? I looked that up. Uh, and I found that pilgrim is defined as people that are on a long journey. People that are on a long journey, or a person's who a person whose journeys, plural, journeys, if you would, to a sacred place. A pilgrim is 
considered someone that travels for religious reasons. In many ways, the the term itself, pilgrim, seems to have a negative connotation. Because when we think about pilgrim in the in the way it's defined, and even in the way that we think of it, as pilgrims came to this country, it speaks of being displaced. It speaks of being unsettled. It speaks of to be without a belonging. To be honest with you all, uh, being a pilgrim is probably not anything that we would pursue in life. Because none of us want to really be displaced. None of us are not really fond of the think, to think about going on a long, hard journey. But being a pilgrim, so being a pilgrim is probably not one of our goals and our endeavors in life. None of you, when you were 10 or 12 years old and somebody said, what do you want to be in life? None of you probably said, well, I want to be a pilgrim because I don't want to have a place to belong. You know, it's sort of a nomad, if you would. It's estimated that... uh, that Joseph and Mary, as they went on this journey, it was quite hard. There is something that drew Mary and Joseph into their journey. And I think this morning we all know what it was about. It was about the birth of Jesus. But there's two things that pulled Joseph and Mary out of their comfort zone into this journey or this pilgrimage that they were on. The first thing we see as we look at the scripture this morning, we find that it was a Roman decree. It was an order that was handed down by the government, if you would. It wasn't pleasant. But yet, it pushed Mary and Joseph into the journey that they would pursue and did complete. It was also, it wasn't just the Roman decree, but it was also because of the fact that Joseph was of the lineage of David. It was a fulfillment of scripture. It was a fulfillment of prophecy that, that, that the Messiah would, would follow after the line of David. So Joseph and his expected bride, Mary, began a pilgrimage from Nazareth, which is north of Jerusalem, come, came down, then came across eastwardly and came to Nazareth, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, it's estimated that this journey actually took Joseph and Mary probably, it ordinarily would have probably taken somewhere between five or six days, ordinarily. But you have a woman that's now nine months into her pregnancy. We know because we know the history that when they get to uh, Bethlehem that Jesus is born. So we know that it's not just nine months of pregnancy. We know this Mary may actually be experiencing labor pains as they travel. It is very, 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 very close. This journey probably is estimated by theologians and, and, and different other uh, uh, people of, of great learning that it probably took Joseph and Mary 10 days 
to make this pilgrimage from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. Ten days. It was 80 to 90 miles. 80 to 90 miles. That doesn't sound too much to us. Hey, it's like going to Roanoke. Or it's like going to Bristol. Or maybe like going to Charleston. But couldn't you imagine yourself without paved roads, uh, walking and you're leading a donkey at best and your little wife is pregnant and riding that burrow? Can't you, can you imagine traveling 80 to 90 miles? 80 to 90 miles. Probably, probably at best 10 miles per day on foot. But the route would take them down through those flatlands, and I, uh, I apologize, I should have loaded a map for you to, it comes down from the flatlands of the Jordan River, and then they went westward through the hill country, over into Jerusalem, and then turned into Bethlehem. That sounds simple enough, but did I mention Mary was pregnant? Did I mention that she was expecting a baby? The climate from Nazareth to Bethlehem is 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 a very contrasting climate. We've experienced that ourselves. My sister Sarah and I have. We 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 went one day when we were in Israel. One day we were up in in northern Israel at the Golan Heights, and it was cold, and we had to have jackets and coats on, and they were calling for snow the next day. But then we come a similar track. As did Mary and Joseph travel, said we were on an air-conditioned and heated bus. And, and within two days, we found ourselves, uh, we could actually made the journey in one day, but two days later, we found ourselves down near the Dead Sea, which Nazareth, uh, excuse me, Bethlehem is not too far from the Dead Sea. And we found ourselves in temperatures of 105 degrees Fahrenheit. So we went from snow-capped mountains to the burning hot desert. Now, some things, as we say, never change. Joseph and Mary would have experienced the, the great shifts in climate. They, they would have found themselves leaving a very cold place and, and experiencing these temperature swings from the 30s perhaps down uh, in, or up into the 90s as they approached the Dead Sea. The hill country of, of the Jordanian area is, is very, very... Uh, Known for its heavy rain. And they probably experienced cold rain. They could have even experienced some snow. And their only shelter wasn't at the Holiday Inn. No, no. We, we know that the end of the story, they couldn't even find a place once they reached their destination. As they traveled on this pilgrimage, there was no place for them to stay. There was no Holiday Inns. There were no resorts. There weren't even rest areas that they could pull over. They had no car to sleep in. But the, the, as was custom of that time, they wore heavy outer garments, cloaks, as we call them in the scripture. And they would, they, those cloaks were heavy. They were probably made of skins or of animal hair. They are, or perhaps wool that was thickly woven. And they would huddle together, more than likely, they would huddle together all these nights traveling through the desert, from the cold into the heat, through the rain, and they would huddle down and the two of them all alone would pull their cloaks over top of them just to make some type of a shelter. Sort of a makeshift tent, but the only problem was they were the tent stakes. 
That's the life that they live on this, on this journey that perhaps lasted 10 days. That's how they live. Their only shelter would be one another and the clothes on their back. Did I mention that Mary was pregnant? According to James Strange, he's a New Testament biblical professor of archaeology at the University of Florida down in Tampa. Perils, archaeological digs have proven and shown that perils and dangers were very prominent upon this common route that Joseph and Mary are on. Has, has they, has they traveled this route? There's, there's archaeological evidence that proves back in that era of time there were literally lions, lions, bears, and no, it's not the Wizard of Oz, lions, tigers, and bears, but there was an abundance of wildlife that roamed because of the Jordan River, they roamed the forest, the area that surrounded the Jordan River. And, it, and it, they have found uh, archaeological, again, findings that, that many people lost their life. Many people were consumed by the perils or the animals of the forest. So if, if they survived the weather, if the, if the extremities of weather did not take their life, then the perils, listen, it was a very dangerous 80 to 90 mile trip. Would be travelers didn't, couldn't, shouldn't only be alert to the perils of animals and the weather, but it's also known because it was a common trade route. It is also identified that bandits and robbers, evil men, today we would call them gangs. Also would ambush and rob people and leaving them dead. That's why if some of you all remember some of the stories and some of the traditions that we practice even in our uh even in our Christmas play, and you think back to the, the We Three Kings and how the kings traveled together. Uh, people would travel in caravans because the caravans would, would a- actually give them some type of, uh, of safety cushion there, you know, because the, the bandits would be less likely to attack a larger group of people. But when you have a man and his wife, did I mention she was pregnant? Traveling all alone. They were sitting ducks, as we say. To be robbed, molested, and even murdered. So they didn't have any place to stay when they get to Bethlehem. We know that part of the story. No place to stay. They really didn't fit in. Now, we can speculate as to why they didn't really fit in. Normally, a traveler uh, would stay with a relative in their house. And, and, and it's very much possible because uh, Joseph was of the lineage of David. It's very possible that Joseph had family in Bethlehem. Very much possible. We can only speculate that all of the relatives' houses were filled with the influx of people arriving there for the census. Or it could have been... That Joseph and Mary were rejected by their family because Mary was with child. Even though we know and we acknowledge the whole 
concept of the virgin birth. It could be that the family had completely shut them out, closed them out. So Joseph and Mary begin to go and they begin to look for that place uh, uh, where they can stay. They were cold-shouldered by their family, perhaps. But for some reason, uh, whatever reason, that they had to pursue third-party lodging. And they go and they're looking for it. And it was, of course, you all realize with me, it wasn't like lodging today where we've got Hamptons, Hampton Inns and, and Fairfield Inns and we have Marriott's and we have, uh, you know, all these different hotel chains. It wasn't like that at all. It, the inn was probably very small and it was probably every room crammed full. But for whatever reason, they pursued third-party lodging. And, well, we know that story. There was no place for them to stay. So they find themselves staying in what we call a stable. And most of the time we depict it with, with little wooden stakes and a little wood over top and some, 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 uh, you know, pine trimmings all around it. But the, the, the stable probably didn't look that way at all. In fact, the stable more than likely was, uh, was a, either a natural cave, a cavity back in the hillside. And if you, uh, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Bethlehem and we saw it from afar, we didn't go right into the city, but we saw it from afar. But that's the rockiest place I've ever seen in my life. And it was probably a, maybe a natural cave or perhaps it was even a cave that somebody had just hewn out in the hillside. Of Bethlehem. It was cold. It was dark. It was damp. It wasn't a very pleasant place. It was a place that, and it probably does. This wasn't a donkey or two standing around, but that 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 stable was probably crammed full of animals, not just sheep, a couple sheep and a. A donkey so the little drummer boy would have room to show up. No, it, it probably wasn't that pleasant at all. But it was, but it was a cave that was dark and it was cold and, and it probably had mire and muck and, and animal waste in it and, and it, it just really wasn't all that nice to be honest with you. And the manger probably wasn't as luxurious as Two pieces of wood X together and a trough made out of it and it throwed full of straw. It probably wasn't like that at all. The manger was, was more than likely and we were, again, when we went to Israel, so it was such a blessing for us. We got to see, uh, what they, what was used and what was in those ancient times. And instead of being a little wooden thing like we use today, it was probably a piece of rock that had been hollowed out. With jagged edges and rough to the touch and more than likely, more than likely, there wasn't any straw. Could have been, but more than likely there wasn't. The manger itself wasn't even as comfortable as we make it look. Wow. Did I mention Mary was pregnant? She was expecting a baby. And, and here you are, you've been on this 10-day journey, and now you find yourself in a cave of sorts, and you have this little rock that has been carved out, that, that somebody's been throwing a little uh, feed, probably grain, maybe some hay in, and now you're going to use that 
for your baby's bed. You see, when, when we think of this whole story and we begin to consider the whole situation that Mary and Joseph had, it, their pilgrimage wasn't very pleasant. In fact, it was quite difficult. It was hard. It was challenging. There was no doubt in my mind there were, there may have been, cause I don't care how strong our faith is, there are times that we find ourselves questioning our walk. We find ourselves questioning our pilgrimage. We find ourselves saying, is this really, really worth it? I personally think Joseph and Mary probably had some of those days in that week and a half they were traveling. They were pilgrims and they were strangers and they were traveling through a barren land. They were traveling through desert land. They were traveling through a, a land that was unfriendly to them. I, I, I can only imagine that there were times in their lives that, 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 that Joseph looked at Mary and said, Mary, is this really worth it? Or maybe Mary looked at Joseph and said, Joseph, is this really worth it? And, and he says, we must go though. We must go. We, this is about Roman decree. We must go. I'm, I, we know the story. We know the prophecy. I'm of the household of David and we know what the angel has told us. So we must keep pressing on even though it's not the greatest of circumstances. You know, when I, when I read scripture and a lot of y'all, most of you all, but some of you may not know, you know, my, my, I, I'm, I'm a bluegrass guy. I've played, I've played bluegrass since I was, uh, five foot four. That means I started when I was about eight years old. Um, and I'm still, I'm actually five foot three now, by the way. And there's so many songs in the, the music that I love. There's songs that says, I'm just a pilgrim in this world below. With no place to call my home. And, and we used to sing old songs like that many years ago. Some of the younger ones may not remember those. Some of the older ones, you may not care to remember them. But we sang songs about being pilgrims and being on a journey. But when we look at the scripture, we examine the scripture, that is exactly how we are described as followers of Christ. A few weeks ago, we lost uh, one of our church family we love so much. And, and as I preached Jacob's funeral a few weeks ago, I, I alluded to the fact that life, this life that we live in is this a temporary situation. I don't, I, it's, it's not necessarily how old we are because it's just a temporary situation. One of my, my great friends and, and I think his mother turned 105 the other day. Is that right, Steve? Pastor Steve Willis's mother, his mother turned 105. But, but if she lives another 10 years and she becomes 115 years old, you know what? Her life in this world is a temporary situation. When we lost Jacob a few weeks ago, he was only 52 years old. His life was only a temporary situation. You know, we heard the story, we had the tragic news here in this community that, that a, a young teenage girl lost her life just a few days ago. You know what? Her, her life was a temporary situation. And I don't mean to discredit anybody's life or the worth of their life. That's not my point at all. But regardless of how long we live, 
regardless of how old we get, this life that we live in is a temporary situation and we are simply on a journey, we're on a pilgrimage that may be a lot like Joseph and Mary were on as they came from Nazareth all the way down and came across to Bethlehem. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. It's not, it's not always safe. But yet we are on this journey. But Joseph and Mary had a destination in mind. Joseph and Mary had a purpose in mind. Joseph and Mary had a calling in their life to deliver the Messiah. The baby Jesus, we call him most of the time. So you and I have to realize that we're on a journey. Did I mention that Mary was pregnant? You see, Mary's pregnancy is the difference maker in this whole situation. Mary's, if this had been early, if this had been early in, in her pregnancy, yes, it, it would have got some notoriety perhaps, but not quite like it does with her being full term. If Mary and Joseph hadn't been ordained to, 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 to serve the Lord and Mary conceive of a virgin birth and, and Joseph be there as the father figure, if you would, in this whole circumstance. But, but, but if it wasn't for all of that, if Mary and Joseph, if none of this had ever happened to them, you know what? We wouldn't be reading about them today. But did I mention that Mary was pregnant? She was pregnant with the Messiah. Now, listen to me very close this morning. You say, well, what's that have to do with me? Here's what it has to do with me and you. Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote, reading from the New International Wording. In Him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. In order that we who are the, we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you also are included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Let me tell you what, that verse of Scripture, those verses of Scripture, what that just tells us. And we talked about this in our life group this morning. And I always encourage you, come to life groups at 945. You'll be blessed. 
But in our life groups this morning, we, we, for some reason, I, I got off on it. Sometimes I, Alicia does a great job leading our group. Sometimes I, I, I get us off down a rabbit trail. But, but, but it's not that, 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 uh, that I, I embrace the doctrine of double predestination that you're either born to go to heaven or hell because I don't embrace that at all. But yet God does have a plan for every one of our lives. He's, he, he had a plan. He knew you. He, the word declares, he know, every one of us, He knew us before we were in our mother's womb. He knew us when we, are, we were being knit, the Bible says, in our mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. And He knows the plans He has for us. According to what Jeremiah the prophet spoke. He knows, he knows the plans He has for us. Listen, what I'm saying to you, every one of us in this room is pregnant with a destiny. Somebody said a while back, I heard someone said, I don't know why they refer to somebody as expecting. He said, because expecting sounds like you're leaving it up to chance. Well, I'm expecting somebody to come by my house. No, you don't need to expect, you don't need to be expecting. It's going to happen. You know, you know, when, when somebody is with child, they're not just really expecting, they're going to have it, you know. So you and I are pregnant with destiny. You and I are pregnant with, with what God has given us to do. And listen, you are not here by mistake. You're not a happenstance. You're, you're not, you're not something that just, this, uh, uh, came along and uh, you're a surprise, so to speak. Your mom and dad may told you that, but you're not, listen, God has ordained you for this life and He has ordained something for you in this life. Every one of us in this room is pregnant with destiny. Did I mention that Mary was pregnant? Pregnant, her, the pregnancy, the destiny that Mary had was the difference maker. That's why she and Joseph were on this pilgrimage that they were on. And that's why you and I are on the pilgrimage that we're on. There may be some lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. There may, there may be some, there may be some high mountains, there may be some deep valleys, there may be some cold nights when we don't have anything but our outer garment to pull over us. There may, there may be some hot desert, there, some hot desert days where the temperature's 105 degrees. There may be a lot of things that happen in our life, but we're on a journey because we have a destiny. And yes, God should be important to us, but I've got news for you this morning. You are important to Him. Mary and Joseph were important to the Lord. So important, can you imagine that you give birth to the Messiah? But do you, And none of us in this room will be a Joseph and Mary. But do you realize this? That, that we're still important to God. And, and, and because we're on this pilgrimage, we have to be, we continue to be sensitive to the opportunities that He set before us. I've often wondered, wonder what would happen if Mary had just simply said no when the angel appeared to her. She said, nope, I'm not going to do this. Not me. You don't have to pick somebody else. No, I'm not going to do this. Well, wonder, wonder what would happen. We, we need to be sensitive to the opportunities. And it's not always going to be easy. And you know what? I'm just speculating that 
Maybe Joseph and Mary had family when they got over into Bethlehem that wouldn't even give them a place to stay. Maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe it's not true. Maybe yes, maybe no, our Israeli God told us. Maybe yes, maybe no. But you know what? It may be even family and friends that may shun you while you're on this journey. But be faithful to the one that has called you into this. Be faithful to the one that's leading you on the way. Because God is faithful to the end. Jeremiah 29 and 11. I mentioned already. Jeremiah says. He pens the words of the Lord in prophetic. I know the plans that I have for you, says God. Their plans to prosper you. You know, and, and, and in that, in that, God is, it, it, I'm not one of these get rich quick guys. I'm not a Cadillac guy, but I want to tell you, as we, as we came down to, uh, uh, 460 this morning, I looked over there at the cold Cadillac and man, they had a bright red Cadillac with black, shiny black wheels on it. That thing looked sharp and I'm not a Cadillac guy. Okay. But I thought, man, that Cadillac, that thing looks good. You know what? I'm not expecting God to bless me with that shiny red Cadillac with shiny black wheels on it. I'm already blessed. He's already blessed me in so many ways. But but you know what? He blesses me. He has blessed me. I'm a firm believer. He's blessed me and He's blessed you that you may bless others. And you may bless the kingdom of God. And when you do that, then you bless the Lord. And we, we used to sing that song, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. God is faithful to the end. And He has plans for you. And He has plans for me. And, 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 and we are, uh, we as people, we, we, we are, if you would, pregnant with destiny. I'm not sure what my journey is, Pastor. Well, I can't tell you that either. I'm not sure what my journey is to tell you the truth. I'm not sure, I'm not sure where my, I'm not sure where my landing spot is going to be when all this is said and done. I know, I know, I, yes, I want to, I, my, my plan is I'm going to live eternally with the Lord in heaven in His presence. That's my plan. That's my plan. But you see, as you as you're on this pilgrimage journey, as you and I are making this journey, there's a greater plan ahead. And did I mention Mary was pregnant? Did I mention that you and I are pregnant with destiny? When I read Isaiah, the prophetic words of Isaiah, I find that in Isaiah uh 66. Alright, yeah, 66. Isaiah says this. Verse 7. Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Can a country be born in a day? Or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no longer is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Let, let me let me give this to you in a very much paraphrased layman's interpretation. There's a great event. We just we just lit an Advent candle a while ago. Pam read the she read some uh, devotionals and some 
verses pertain to the advent. But let me tell you something. There, there's a second advent that is coming. And as that second advent comes, it, it's, it's not the, the it's, it's not going to be just the second coming of the Lord, but it's only the second appearing of the Lord. Whenever He calls for those who have died in Christ to rise out of their graves, and those which are alive and remain to come forth to meet them in the air. Let me tell you something. Whether you realize it or not, I, I'm 61 years old. Yes, I know I don't look that. Thank you so much. I've been hearing it. I've been hearing it since I was around probably 12, 13, 14 years old that Jesus is coming. And, and I believe that. I believe that then. I still believe it. I still believe it right now. But I can tell you what. In my, in my short, in my short, no pun intended, in my short 60 years. In fact, in the last 20 years of my life, I've never seen things unfolding like they're unfolding now before our very eyes. Let me tell you. When Zion is in travail, that means when the labor pains start. When the labor pain starts, the birth will happen. The birth will happen. When, when Zion is in travail, the birth will listen. I believe with all of my heart, you and I are pregnant with a destiny. I believe that we are the generation that very well could see the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that something great is about to happen right before our eyes. And I've been on this journey a long time. I've been on this journey uh, waiting and looking and watching. I've been waiting for labor pains to occur. I've been waiting for the birth to happen. And I'm, you will never convince me of anything less than it's right around the corner. You know, I, I don't know how far Mary and Joseph may have been out uh, as they were riding through that desert before she started saying, Joseph, I'm having contractions. Joseph, I'm having labor pains. I don't know what point it was, but I can tell you right now, I believe the church is having labor pains right as we sit in this room right now. I believe something great is about to happen, and the next greatest event is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to be a part of that as much as I want me to be a part of that. That's why I do what I do every week of the year. And I've been doing it now for some 30 years because I believe Jesus is coming. And I still believe He's coming soon. And did I mention Mary was pregnant? And did I mention you were pregnant with destiny? The only thing that the Lord has asked for is to yield to Him in faith and obedience. And that's exactly what Mary and Joseph did. They loaded up their stuff and they began what could have been a 10-day journey through the cold, through the heat, through the rain, maybe even some snow, into the desert places, up the hills, down in the valleys. They, they heard the lions roar in the middle of the night. They, they, saw, they saw the tracks of the bears. They, 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 they maybe heard the screams as the, the bandits and the robbers attacked other people. But they kept pressing onward on their pilgrimage until they got to their destination. Resting on. I'm full of old songs. Pardon me, it's just this is my age. We used to sing that old song when I first got back when I first got saved. Press along, press along. That's about all I remember of it. Is press along. 
and, and, and we must press along. We must keep going. We must keep pushing. We must keep fighting the good fight of faith. We can't give up. We can't quit. We got to, we must to press on into the destiny that God has for us. Bow your head.